name, Lord. Thank you so much. Now bless Jeremy as he comes to minister. And we thank you. We receive the word of God. And everyone said, amen. Praise God. Good to see you all tonight. How many enjoyed last Wednesday? Uh, we're going to go further tonight. Last Wednesday, we talked about why it's important to have demonstrations of God's power to evangelism. Like Pastor Dennis is talking about, the things we're talking about, Bible says, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Bible also says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Particularly on the subjects we're talking about, signs and wonders and demonstrations of God's power, uh, we need look no further than Jesus to keep our doctrine straight. There is no cessationism. Miracles never ceased. You can't base any any foundation scripturally on that. that. Right there, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, day and forever. Hebrews 13, 8. A while back, it was real popular to put WWJD on everything. Remember that? Barbecue aprons, checkbooks, license plates, you know. What would Jesus do? It's a good question, but you got to give the right answer. What would Jesus do? He'd do exactly the same thing he did when he walked the earth 2,000 years ago. He is the same Jesus. What would he do if he came to Dover tonight? Would he do this? He'd do the same thing he did as he walked the shores of Galilee. He'd heal every sick person. He'd demonstrate God's power. There'd be manifestations of the Holy Ghost in his life. And he would mentor people to do the same thing, just like he did the 12, just like he did the 70. Not only would Jesus be doing it, but he'd be sending out others to emulate his example, just like he did 2,000 years ago. He's the same Jesus tonight, isn't he? Everybody say he's the same Jesus. All right. Well, we covered kind of a foundation last Wednesday. Uh, we talked about why it's important to have demonstrations of the power of God. And a divine message really requires divine evidence. And God's always operated that way. You know, if anybody would have had the right to say, be, just because I said so, it would have been Jesus, Jesus Christ, God in the flesh. If anybody could have got away with saying it's true because I said so, that's why. Jesus could have done it that way. Isn't that right? You know, he never did do it that way, though. He always produced divine evidence that would confirm the word. And then he sent out the disciples to do the same things. It said in Mark 16, they went out and preached everywhere. God working with them, confirming the word with the signs that accompany it. God is always confirmed his word with signs. Didn't have to. If God decided just to say, you know, that's just what it says, you just accept it because I'm God. But God, we could see the pattern all the way back, Moses and Pharaoh, all the way back, Mount Carmel. God's always been, Old and New Testament, a God that confirms his word with signs following. Now, Mark 16, we talked about, says that Jesus said in the Mark's account of the Great Commission uh, that these signs would follow those who believe in my name. He said that signs and wonders would follow believers. Now, this is an important scripture, Mark 16. It's important to what we're talking about because Jesus didn't say that signs would just follow the apostle or the prophet or the evangelist or the pastor or the teacher. He said that signs would follow believers. How many believers do we have here tonight? raise your hand it's good we got a room full of believers Wednesday night so he said that signs would follow believers so did you know that Jesus's vision you know a lot of talk nowadays about vision vision for ministry vision for the church Jesus had a vision of what he wanted the church to look like and Jesus Christ vision of the church is that divine demonstrations of God's power would be in the life of every one of his children every believer 
He said, these signs would follow those who believe in my name. Now, tonight, I wanted to talk a little bit about how, just some where the rubber meets the road, uh, theology on how to do it, why you can do it. And so we're going to dig into some heavy stuff tonight. This is Pastor Dennis Shearer's church, theologian. So I, we'll go maybe a little deeper than I normally go, you know, not as deep as he goes, but we'll go a little deeper than I normally go, you know. Sound good? Praise God. Let's go to John 14. John 14, 12, and I just, want, I, I just want to tell you how God led me into praying for the sick, ministering to the sick. You know, some people, well, how did, you know, is, is there a healing anointing on your life? How did you find out there was a healing anointing on your life? I just want to tell my story. It wasn't like I was walking through the mall one day and bumped into somebody in a wheelchair and they got up and I said, oh my, there must be a healing anointing on my life. What was that? Surprise, surprise. No, I saw it in the word first. I saw this truth in the word and that's where we're going to start tonight. The nice thing about it is, is my personal experience, how I started ministering to the sick. I didn't see an angel. I didn't have Jesus appear to me in a cave. You know, I don't discredit. I'm not trying to be light about people who have had divine experiences like that. I, I, uh, I'm not belittling them. I'm just saying it's not my experience. And the interesting thing is how God led me into it has enabled me to tell other people they could do the same thing, just like we're doing here tonight. So John 14, 12, and it's Jesus speaking. John 14, 12, Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do because I go to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, that I will do so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Anything. Boy, this is such a powerful passage. I got to read it again. Jesus speaking, he said, truly, truly. So how many of you know Jesus isn't lying here? Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes in me. So again, he's talking about believers. Amen. He's not talking about special calling. Is there special callings? Absolutely. But here he's not talking just about apostles or he's not talking just about prophets. In this passage, he says, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. Now, his vocabulary and his language here is strong. It's interesting that Jesus doesn't say the works that I do, he can do also. He says, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. I think there's something there in that, that once you see who Jesus is and when you believe in, uh, you know, who Jesus really is, it's kind of just a symptom of your belief in him that you do what he did. I mean, that's a powerful statement. He who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do because I go to the Father. I want to tell you a little bit. I was raised in a Christian home. My dad was born again when he was in the Marines down. Uh, he'd got home from Vietnam. He was stationed down at Camp Lejeune, North Carolina. A good Baptist brother invited him to come to a Sunday night service. And he went to the Sunday night service and he had no plan in answering an invitation. And the pastor gave an invitation at the end of that service. And my dad was sitting there minding his own business. And he said, all of a sudden, a physical force began to lift my unseen, began to lift my dad up out of his seat. He grabbed onto the edge of his seat and held on holding on he said he's gripping the seat holding on trying to keep this unseen physical force from pulling him to the front of the church he fought it the pastor you know continued to exhort the people for a little while my dad continued to resist he said eventually it subsided 
Well, he went back to the barracks that night with his friend, didn't say a word to him. He said, but it's after lights out, 10 o'clock lights out, it's after lights out. He's staring up at the ceiling of this barracks, can't go to sleep. He finally gets up and he goes over to his buddy's bunk. He wakes him up. He tells you the story I just told you. He said, I don't know what happened, but I'm going back to church with you next Sunday. When your pastor gives the invitation, I'm going to go down and I'm going to make, I'm going to pray that prayer. Well, being the good Baptist he was, his friend said, you don't have have to wait until next Sunday and they hit their knees in that barracks and my dad called on the name of Jesus and he was born again well that was when he got born again he attended that church while he was in the Marines and then when he came back he began to hear about being filled with the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues and you know so he had these two conflicting things going on in his life kind of like what uh pastor dennis was talking about there's different voices out there aren't there and my dad decided i mean he went a hard road he took one book that was for and one book that was against and he read them both you know and decided and he just found as he studied the word he fell on the side of the word and he saw that the same spirit that filled him in acts chapter 2 he's still filling people with the holy spirit today he got filled with the holy ghost started going to an assembly of god church so i uh we grew up Pastor Crabtree's church, Bethel Temple in Parma. My dad was one of Pastor Crabtree's elders. So uh, in the assemblies, anyway, anyhow, moving right along. So, so that he got filled with the Holy Ghost. Then he was working for the phone company. That's what my dad did. He's retired now. He worked for the phone company. He began to learn about God's healing power. He began to learn about, while he was out, he went into this bookstore, and the Holy Spirit led him to get these books. He got this book about called Faith Food, and it was a book on faith, and he began to read it. Now, my dad was wounded when he was in Vietnam. He was wounded in a firefight. The doctor said he, would, he had ear trouble in his right ear. Doctor said eventually he would lose his hearing in his right ear. And he began to see, he got this book on faith, and he began to learn about faith in God's word. And he began to stand on God's word and faith for his ear. And he also had a little, some post-traumatic stress and nightmares and things like that at night. He began to stand on God's word. And as he stood on God's word in faith, he got victory over all of those things. He got victory over the uh, post-traumatic stress. His ear, now he's in his 60s and he could hear out of that ear better than when he was in his 20s when he was wounded in Vietnam. Aren't you glad Jesus still opens deaf ears today? Now who could have a problem with something like that? It's like pastor dennis said the man who uh, who was healed by jesus he said all i know is that i was blind and now i see did you know that only a religious person has a problem with something like that anybody with common sense could see that's a good thing the man at the gate beautiful peter took him by the hand he said silver and gold have i none but such as i have give i thee the man was lame now he could walk any any logical normal person could see that a good thing happened to the man but it took people that had doctrines of demons that were that were wrong in their beliefs to say that something was going on that was wrong there how many of you know that jesus he appeals to our common sense in the gospels where he says you being evil know how to do good things for your father what jesus is saying what a basically good father knows is good for his children that's what god wants for you how many of you know that any basically good father knows that healing is good for their children isn't that right I'm getting in crusade mode tonight. I'll take it back a notch. So, but anyhow, John 14, it's the check. John 14, 12. Jesus said, whosoever believeth in me, the works that I do, would they do also? So you see, I was raised in a home. You know, my dad stood on the word. So I remember one time when I was young, we had a dog. Her name was Heidi. 
And my dog, just to give you an idea about, you know, I'm, this, I'm going somewhere with this. My dog was diagnosed with cancer when I was probably, I don't know, I was in grade school, you know, maybe 10, 11 years old, somewhere in that neighborhood. The dog was diagnosed with cancer. Our vet was a Sikh, you know, of the Eastern religion, wears a turban. We took the dog to the, to the veterinarian. He took a blood test, sent it to Chicago. It comes back. He said, this dog will not live another month. Uh, he gave us some uh, medication. He said, this is just for comfort. It's not going to really make any headway. The dog will expire before you run out of the, this uh, medication. Now, my dad is an animal lover. I mean, he's the, the biggest animal lover you ever meet. He loves dogs. He loved that dog. So we're talking about standing on the word. The Bible says in Deuteronomy 28, it talks about the blessings and the cursings and the blessings of Abraham, doesn't it? And then in the book of Galatians, doesn't it say that, that the blessings of Abraham are ours because Jesus made the way for us. Jesus became cursed so that we could be blessed. So my dad, in studying the blessings of Abraham, found that there was a blessing on his livestock. Amen? Well, growing up in Parma, Ohio, the only livestock that we had room for was this miniature collie, but she qualified. She was the only livestock we had, but that was our livestock. So my dad stood on the word. Everybody say, stand on the word. And he took the, I remember we prayed for the dog. I remember the family gathered around the dog. We laid hands on her. I remember my dad telling God, you know, you said that our livestock would be blessed. Cancer isn't a blessing. And we stood on the word. A month goes by. The dog's symptoms went away. We took my mom, we run out of that medication that was only supposed to last a month. Now what do we do? My mom takes the dog back to the vet. The vet pulls my mom aside and says, listen, if I told my colleagues who I sent this blood test to that your dog was still alive they would laugh at me he said he said the doctor said there is only one explanation your god healed this dog that's pretty good a dog but i wanted to say thank god that was good how many know that when you make the you know he was the expert you made him a believer that's that's going somewhere but the point i wanted to make was that my dad he stood on the word of god aren't you glad you could stand on god's word and say father this is what you said aren't you glad that when you have no you know no goosebumps no feeling at all you could just take the ink on the page and bring it before the lord and say father this is what you've said about my situation you cannot lie let every circumstance be a lie but your word is true this is what you said and I choose to believe your word praise God well I was raised in uh, you know in an, in an environment like that thank God and I'm thankful for that grateful for it so then you know I'm reading I'm, I'm in college I go to secular college I go to the Cleveland Institute of Art and I started a Bible study when I was in college just as a desire to, you know, there wasn't one. Somebody had to do something. I didn't even feel any particular leading to do it other than I said, somebody's got to do it. Why not me? There's no Christian, you know, anything here. So I guess I'll do it. And I started to lead this Bible study. Well, with this Bible study, of course, there was a call on my life. I didn't identify it yet at that time. But there was this desire to reach the lost. And it seemed like a very difficult problem. I talked a little bit about it Wednesday. I thought, how do you how do you do this how do we break through this how do we how do we reach these people and as I began to seek the Lord I saw a pattern how Jesus did it how he sent out the disciples to do it and how he sent out the church to do it in Mark 16 he always sent out his representatives to preach the word with signs following and I started to say okay well now what and I studied the word and then that brings me to where I am to 
tonight with John 14, 12. And I came across John 14, 12. I was reading the word one day. I'm sure I had read it some other time, maybe heard it before, but it was one of those times where you read the word and it just is quickened to you by the Holy Spirit. And I see these scriptures and it said, uh, truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And I said, wait a second, I'm a believer. He's talking about me here. I, I just saw myself as qualifying. Do you see yourself as qualifying in that scripture tonight? He was talking to believers. I said, I'm a believer. I've believed God for things before. He's been faithful to me. I've stood on his word before. Listen, if you've never stood on his word for anything except for by the fact that John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life then that's that's amen that's a good start isn't it if you stood on the word for salvation that's the greatest faith victory you'll ever win so i saw this scripture here it said john 14 12 whoever believes in me the works that i do would they do also i said i'm a believer and then it was like this excitement rose up in my heart i said my god if this means what it says if it's true that means that jesus is saying that i could have a life of miracles helping people the way he helped them you know taking authority over the works of darkness the way he did and there was an excitement that stirred up in my heart now let me stop for a minute here before we go on we're talking this is evangelism power evangelism and listen nobody gets saved if they don't hear the word nobody gets born again if they don't hear that Jesus died he rose again from the dead and he's alive today everything we're talking about the signs don't stand alone the signs confirm the word there has to be word so there's something that can be confirmed isn't that right everybody say the word comes first so back to John 14 12 I saw this scripture I saw Jesus was talking to me because when he said the works that I do would you do also he wasn't talking about carpentry amen he said he was talking about miracles you read the whole chapter and in the context he's talking about how he helped people how he destroyed the works of the enemy how he set people free women people like the woman with the issue of blood or the woman who has been over for 14 years with the spirit of infirmity those are the kind of works Jesus was talking about I saw myself there and so I said, all right, you know, I never, I never prayed for anybody and saw a miracle before that I could remember before that, but I saw it in the word first. And I said, well, Jesus is saying this to me. God's not a liar. I could stand on his word. He'll, he'll, he got, he'll have to do what he said because he watches over his word to perform it. He doesn't lie. God is, you will say, well, God could do anything he wants. God can do anything he wants, but because God's not a liar, he always does what he said he would do. He, he tells the truth, doesn't he? So yes, God, but he's chose, to, he, he's bound by his word because God tells the truth. He always does what he said he would do. So I said, well, God, you said this. This is in your word. So I stood on the word. I remember two things that happened. First time that I saw anything like this. How many ever heard of R.W. Schombach? I was in an R.W. Schombach tent meeting when he was up in Cleveland. I guess it would have been 94. Yeah, and he was up there. And I was an usher and R.W. I was in my 20s, early 20s. I was an usher at the R.W. Schombach temp meeting. One night, a guest evangelist was speaking named Ted Shuttlesworth. And no, he wasn't, excuse me. It was, it was Brother Schombach that night. It was double portion night. 
you know, taken from the Old Testament, double portion night. People came believing God to get a double portion of the Holy Spirit that night. I did as well. I said, well, if it's double portion night, I want to get in on it. So I was there that night, you know, but I'm ushering, I'm working, working the meeting, you know, keeping people away and, you know, catching people and doing the different things we had to do. So he laid hands on everybody. And then I'm thinking, okay, what's my, you know, when's my turn and whatever. And he left and they, uh, you know, some of the other guys take him back to the trailer and I'm sitting there just praying in the Holy Ghost thinking, well, I came for something tonight I know it looks like the service the service is over but uh what's going on here somebody taps on my shoulder while I'm sitting there thinking about it it's a woman she says I twisted my ankle in the parking lot I can't drive home unless somebody prays for me would you get the evangelist to pray for me I said yeah I'll go talk to him I walk up the ramp brother Schombach was gone but Ted Schultzworth was packing up his books I said listen told him the story I just said there's a woman she needs prayer he looked up in the air for a minute and then he looks at me he said well what are you doing talking to me brother and I said, well, that's all I needed, man. So I, I run down the ramp, you know. I mean, these things have been stirring in my heart. I've been studying these things, you know. God's been showing me things in the word. And here, I mean, I'm, I'm stirred up. We've been watching miracles happen. He says, go pray for the woman. I'm like, all right, that's good enough for me. I said, well, the evangelist said I should pray for you. I'm stirred up. I just did what I saw, you know, commanded that ankle to be healed, took her by the hand and started walking her back and forth. You know, she's doing great. Uh, all of a sudden, you know, people are starting to look like, who is this guy trying to have his own meeting you know the service is over trying to steal the thunder here <laughs> but, so then another woman comes and taps on my shoulder she says I have arthritis would you pray for me absolutely you know I'm laying hands on people anyhow that was the first time I ever remembered praying hands on anybody seeing any kind of results a little bit after that all the while this is happening John 14 12 little after that coming up I, by the church that I went to the pastor was going out of town and he said listen I want you to cover this particular Sunday morning for me. I said, great, sounds good. I preached for him and I said, all right, if this is true, I could prove this out. How many know you could prove out the word of God? You could stand on the word. I said, if this is true, John 14, 12, then God will do it. You know, I'll just preach on it like it's, true and expect God to be honest. So I did. I preached on the woman with the issue of blood that morning. We had an altar call. It was a small group. Five people came forward and I laid hands on those five people. I remember there was one man there. He had hurt his shoulder and couldn't lift his arm above his shoulder. God healed it. Another woman had some trouble with her uh, toes and they, and God healed her. And then all five people testified that something instantly changed. All five of them, hundred percent. Everybody said something's different. I was ecstatic. Well, it started with that and it just happened. You know, because I stood, I said, God, you said, Jesus said, if I believe in him, the works that I did, would they do also? But let me tell you one key that really empowered me and strengthened me in this and caused me to have boldness. Truly, he says, truly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, will he will do also. And greater works than these he will do because I go to the Father. 13, whatever you ask in my name, that will I do. Who does it? Jesus does it. He said, whatever you ask in my name, that I will do. So two things I saw in this scripture. One, I saw he was talking about believers. He said, anybody could do what he did. Well, how can anybody do what Jesus did? Because actually he's still the one who's doing it. Do you see it? He said, whatever you ask in my name, that I will do. Jesus backs up his name. He said, I'll do it. You know, Peter believed this. Peter was there the first time that Jesus spoke this. Peter was there in John 14. Jesus is speaking to Philip, but they were all there. You see this in Acts chapter 9. Peter Peter prays for a man named Aeneas, and he he doesn't say, the the vocabulary is important here. The way he says it, he says, 
Jesus Christ makes you whole. He didn't say, well, I'm Peter and there's anointing on my life, be made whole. Jesus had already ascended. This is the book of Acts. He's already at the right hand of the Father. Yet Peter believed what Jesus said in John 14, 12, that Jesus Christ was right there with him to make him whole right there. And he said, Jesus Christ makes you whole. Think about that. Jesus Christ makes you whole. I try to interject that if I can when I minister into the sick. Jesus Christ makes you whole. Just to re- See, Peter, he didn't say, well, I'm an apostle. You know, I was there. I was in the upper room. That's why you're going to be. He said, no, he, John 14, 12, what we're talking about tonight. Jesus Christ makes you whole. This is how this is all possible. Because it's not about me and it's not about you. It's about Jesus. And when you pray for somebody in Jesus' name, there he is to back up his name and do what he said he would do. So I went out and had this confidence in that service. And as I faced these different situations, not because of me or who I was, but because I knew that there was, it didn't matter. I took myself out of the picture and I said, you know what? There is not a sickness or disease or demon or work of hell that can stand against Jesus Christ. And if I speak his name, it was the same as he himself was saying those words because he said, see, some people have used the, well, we can't have the miracles like Jesus because he had the anointing without measure. He did have the anointing without measure but he said that if we commanded in his name he would do it there's the anointing without measure amen if you're a believer and you've got a promise from god you bring jesus on the scene jesus christ for whom nothing is impossible jesus christ the same yesterday today and forever if i'm not there if pastor dennis isn't there you can bring jesus because he said if you ask him my name i will do it Interesting thing here, verse 13 again, whatever you ask in my name, that will I do so that the father may be glorified in the son. And then in verse 14, all he does is repeat the exact same thing he said in verse 13. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. And you look at the context of this. What is he talking about here? He's empowering you to do what he said he would do. Amen. Now, you promise, I know I'm saying some things that I, I guarantee there's been so much said on this subject that I'm, I'm saying things here, certainly that have gone against different things that people have heard in their lives and different things about miracles and Jesus and the works of Jesus. But don't believe anything. If, I, if it's just me saying it, throw it out. But if you see it in the Bible, you're bound to believe it. I could miss it. I could, I could be wrong. But the Bible's not wrong. If it's just me saying it, well, then fine, you know. But if you see it in the word, let the word shine light in your life. Don't elevate tradition above the word. The Bible says that the traditions of man, they make the word of God of no effect, doesn't it? Well, don't choose tradition over the word ever. Always choose the word over tradition. Jesus said, whatever you ask in my name that I will. You know, that was back in, I was in college still. and That was in the 90s and 94, like I said, that these things happened. Since then, starting with that scripture, we've seen people get out of wheelchairs. A woman who hadn't walked in 43 years. I was up in Providence, Rhode Island, and she'd been in a wheelchair for 43 years. She got up, pushed that wheelchair around the service. People were screaming in hysterics. I mean, not just, you know, praise God. <laughs> people were in hysterics, like screaming. People came in off the street and got in the healing line for prayer. Things like that. We've seen, uh, we, I was up Lackawanna, New York, 
right near the tab up there. And I, there was, it was a Sunday night. Little boy came in, and he was believing God for a miracle. He was getting out his tonsils the next morning and prayed for him. Uh, he went to the doctor the next morning to get his tonsils out. They examined him they, in the pre-op. They found there was nothing wrong. Uh, they sent him home, and he's, he was healed perfectly well. And he still has his tonsils today, as far as I know. <laughs> But you see, a lot of things we've seen. I'll just share, you know, a couple garden variety. Legs grow out and lumps disappear and uh, people raised up off deathbeds and things like that. And it all started with me just one day studying my word in my little apartment in Little Italy, Ohio on Murray Hill in Cleveland. Anybody familiar? I was up above an Italian restaurant studying the word and I saw Jesus said, whoever believes in me, the works that I do, would they do also? Of course, you would say, well, Jeremy, you're an evangelist. And, you know, this is, and I, I, I'm an evangelist. I believe I'm an evangelist called from my mother's womb. But still, yet, the scripture doesn't say if you're an evangelist. It says if you're a believer. Mark 16 doesn't say signs will follow the evangelist. Now, those are some things we've seen in our ministry. But let me tell you, as we've taught these very same truths that I'm teaching here tonight. We, I, there was a 14-year-old girl in Augusta, Georgia. We were teaching these things. We had that long campaign I told you guys about down there. So we're going weeks. You know, We did a whole month that first summer in 2009. People's hearts are being stirred. There's all kinds of miracles taking place. There was a guy who got out of a wheelchair in that meetings. I went on Christian TV when I was down there and there was a woman who uh, a Baptist woman who saw us on TV and she came with an oxygen tank one night and she got set free and came back night after night and testified that she was free left her oxygen tank at home you know but there's this atmosphere these things are happening and in the midst I'm interjecting these things about what how how God led me into the healing ministry and how what Jesus said just what I'm teaching you here tonight 14 year old girl decided to make it her goal to get somebody out of a wheelchair that summer that's a pretty good goal for a 14 year old just because she believed it she just believed what we were saying she said well Jesus could do it and if I command in his name so we were sending out teams out on the street during the day this 14 year old girl named Shelby sees this guy in a wheelchair poor guy she goes running over to him you know hey hey you know I want to talk to you goes straight chases him down prays for him and it gets him up man lifts him up out of the wheelchair now he had a neurological condition and he, he was able prior to her praying for him she was able and it had been several years he was like that, two or three. He was able to steady himself and just use his legs as a balancing thing. You know, that's where he was at. He could not walk, and he hadn't walked in several years, two or three. And he was able to steady himself because of the neurological conditions. He just couldn't send the signals and make those legs walk. I don't know exactly what was going on, but she commanded. He started walking. He started taking steps. Hadn't done it in years. You say, how can a 14-year-old girl do that? 14-year-old girl can't do that, but I know somebody who can do that. His name is Jesus. And he said, if you ask him my name, I'll do it. And that's how that happened. 15-year-old, I don't know how old he was at the particular time he prayed Grayson. He was 15, praying for a deaf guy. He was deaf in one ear, 15-year-old. You know, it seems just some of these folks, you know, these just young folks, you know, 15-year-old prayed, and he prayed for this guy out on the street. How do you hear? He said, well, I don't think there's any change. Prayed for him again. And then he said, well, yeah, maybe it's a little better. And this guy was at the bus stop, and the bus was pulling up. And, you know, Grayson was feeling the pressure of the moment, and he's saying, man, I got to do something. You know, here's the guy's bus pulling up, and he just said, in the name of Jesus, be healed. And he just shouted at the guy. Bam, his ear popped open. He said, I can hear, I can hear. He got on the bus and left that was it teenagers you know well how could teenagers do that teenagers can't do that but Jesus does that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday today and forever 
You say, well, what about healing anointings? Are there healing anointings? Yeah, there's healing anointings. Apparently, these two things coexist without taking anything away from each other. There are two truths clearly laid out in the Bible. Are there healing anointings? Yes, but just because there's healing anointings, that doesn't make John 14 not true. I mean, I guess there's been this idea it has to be one or the other. Well, if everybody could do it, well, then there is no healing anointings. There is no special callings. Well, no, that's not scriptural. There's gifts of healings. There's working of miracles. There's gifts of faith. Yet at the same time, there's just these promises like John 14, 12. There's promises like Mark 16 that says these signs will follow those who believe. There's Mark eleven twenty three and 24. Now, I don't know who you are, but I think pretty much in everybody's book, a mountain moving is qualified as a big miracle. How many would agree? That's a big miracle. That's a nature miracle. That's manipulation of natural matter. Jesus was speaking literally. It, just, it wasn't just a metaphor for big problems because he had just cursed an actual fig tree. And he says, whosoever should say into this mountain, well, who is qualified for that kind of level of miracle? prophets of the highest order if they speak to this mountain they'll be it'll be removed and be you know apostles of the lamb if they speak to this movie he said no whosoever everybody say whosoever should say unto this mountain be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea it shall be done moving mountains is impressive stuff that's supernatural stuff anybody could do it jesus said but how does he start that little Mark 11, 23, 24, that little dialogue there, the first thing he says is have faith in God. Isn't it amazing how much is possible for us when we get our eyes off ourselves and get our eyes on God and Jesus? And when we stop thinking, well, what's my call? And how, ooh, you know, and, well, yeah, there's some things to that. But here Jesus is saying these things. He's like, yeah, you can do this because I'm with you and I'll do it if you ask in my name. First thing he said, well, yeah, I can't move a mountain. Who am I? I'm just whatever, you know. I just work at the Caterpillar plant or I just whatever it is, you know. Who am I? Yeah, who are any of us? But who is Jesus? That's what answers the question here. He is alive today. Turn to the book of Acts, if you will. Book of Acts. And I will give you a chapter here. I promise. (laughs) Book of Acts and chapter 11. Let's look at verse 24. It's a statement in verse 24 that jumped out at me. It was another one of those times I'm reading the word and it was just like kind of hits you in the face, you know. (laughs) Bam, and you see some truth there. Uh, Acts chapter 11, verse 24, for he was a good man and full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. I'll start in 23 just to get the whole idea here. Then when he arrived and witnessed the grace of God, he rejoiced and began to encourage them all with resolute heart to remain true to the Lord. Verse 24, for he was a good man and full of the Holy Spirit. Everybody say Holy Spirit and of faith. And considerable numbers were brought to the Lord. Now they're talking here about Barnabas and they said these two things about him. And I was reading this one day. They said he was full of the Holy Spirit and full of faith. Say it again, say Holy Spirit, say faith. Faith. Apparently, because there's two times the Bible makes this statement, it also says the same thing of Stephen in another part in Acts. Apparently, you can be full of one and not as full of of the other. How many would agree with that? I mean, otherwise, why waste your, you know, he was just a man full of God, you know, whatever. they, They didn't need to go through the trouble of the extra letters, you know. He is a man full of faith and full of the Holy Spirit. That's the kind of man I want to be. How about you? Full of faith and full of the Holy Spirit. Well, anyways, I was studying this one time, 
And it seems to me, as I've seen in the word and just as the Lord has led me in and minister into the sick, that these are two factors that it's just a good thing to have in your life in general. These are also two factors that go into ministering to the sick, being full of faith and full of the Holy Spirit. There's kind of two different, if you look through history and studying healing revivalists and things like that, I'll just use two examples. One would be Smith Wigglesworth. How many ever heard of Smith Wigglesworth? Raise your hand. British guy, was a plumber, didn't really start his ministry until he was in his 50s, had a praying wife, believed God for him, and launched out. I mean, we all know his name today. His, the peak of his ministry would have been in the early 20s, and we all know his name today, and he didn't even start until he was in his 50s. I mean, he just, that was when he really, you know, and had an international ministry. He was, he was a, called an apostle of faith, they called him. And in study him, I found he would do something. In services, sometimes he would have a service and he would say, the first person up here gets healed. He'd just make a statement like that. Not any particular leading of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Are you hearing me today? He would, just say, he would just say, the first person up here gets healed. And sometimes he would work with that person for 45 minutes, the person who came up. It's hard for us to imagine some of these things. He would pray for people and just, he would have what was called healing lines. And a lot of the old, like, Oral Roberts, that Pastor Dennis is going to show you guys a video, and they would sit down on a chair, most of those guys in the 40s and 50s, because they'd have several thousand people run by, and just to save their energy, they'd sit on a chair. Nowadays, it's mostly the minister that moves along the line. In those days, they sat down, moved the people past. They had ramps so you could get wheelchairs and beds, whatever they came in, up and down. They would pray for everyone. They'd pray for all kinds of people. Pray for them in faith. And just, you know, particularly Smith Wigglesworth, he'd pray for people in faith and he would talk about faith. One time he prayed for a blind man. The blind man, he prayed for him in one service. The man got up and, and left. He still looked blind. He left the service, came back the next night. Blind man walked into the service. Smith Wigglesworth stood up in the middle of the song service and he pointed at him and he said, you see that man there? He's healed. I prayed for him last night. He came in a second night, left that night blind. Symptoms looked the same. He'd nothing changed. Man left that night, came back the next night. Smith Wigglesworth stands up and points to him. See that man there? He's healed. I prayed for him two nights ago. Third night, that blind man comes in and he could see. God opened up his eyes. But he stood in faith and he believed God. He just said, this is, you know, those blind eyes have to open. And he, it was a statement of faith. Are you hearing me tonight? These healing lines, there was another woman named Catherine Coleman. Anybody ever hear of her? Powerful ministry, right? I mean, you know, still, like I said, we still know these people's names. They've both gone on to be with the Lord. Catherine Coleman, she was, she was around and had a ministry in the healing revival days, but she really peaked in the 60s, late 60s and 70s, charismatic movement time. And she didn't like what you called faith healers. She didn't like the term. And she never had healing lines and she hated them. She would always just pray for people as she had leading by the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And she would minister to people as conditions were pointed out to her. And she'd call out, there's somebody in this section here, and you have a, this condition or that condition. God's healing you now. Then people would come up and give testimonies. It was a different style. God used both. How many would agree? Now, I see that Jesus, if you study the life, uh, you know, we're not going to get through all this tonight. I hate to leave you here, but we're going to be closing in a few minutes. But if you study the life of Jesus, in ministering to the sick, he really talked about faith more than he talked about anointing. If you look at the grave of Lazarus, which I think everybody would agree was a big miracle, he said, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? 
And do you remember when the disciples, they couldn't cast the demon out of the demon-possessed boy who was epileptic? The disciples pulled him to the side. They said, we could not cast him out. Why? He said, because of your unbelief. He didn't address the area that they weren't anointed. It was, it was a belief issue. When, when Peter was walking on the water, he seemed to do all right walking on the water until he doubted, and then he began to sink. So this is obviously one aspect of the miraculous, isn't it? And you can stand on God's word and minister to the sick, whether you have any specific leading or not, if the Bible has already led you to do it. I worked with an evangelist for a short period of time. His, his name was uh, Jim Hockaday. And he used to stand up and he would say, let's have a tumor day today in a service. He'd say, let's have a tumor day. And he'd deliberately say, now, I have no special leading to have a tumor day today. The Lord has not told me to do this. He says, just because I choose tumors, we're going to see tumors disappear today. And he would call people up, and I'm telling you, with God as my witness, tumors and growths, we were dealing with, you know, several hundred people, into, you know, up to 1,000, 2,000, something. Tumors would disappear as he did that. We'll say, well, why is that? Well, because he had faith in Jesus, John 14, 12, what we're talking about here. You know, I think that some, he wasn't, you know, we'll say, well, how, who's that? Isn't that bossing God around? You're not bossing God around if you're doing something he's already commanded you to do in his word. Amen. It started with him. He commanded you first. You're, it's actually an act of obedience, isn't it? That was the problem with this, uh, you know, with the, when they couldn't cast the demon out of the boy. Jesus got kind of uptight about it. <laughs> he said, you know, you wicked and adulterous generation, how long shall I bear with you? Bring the boy here to me. He's kind of frustrated about this because he'd already given them authority. He'd already commissioned them to do it. Now, I'm saying this for a good reason. I just want you to know, this is what we're closing with tonight. We'll get deeper into this. I want you to know, because I think that's the thing. Often we miss the supernatural because we're looking for the spectacular when it comes to miracles and ministering to the sick. Like we will look moving mountains. Jesus said, good old fashioned believing and not doubting could move a mountain. Certainly, if you can move a mountain, you can move a tumor with just believing God's word. And sometimes I think that people, paralysis by analysis, they get locked up in these things and ministering to people or maybe stepping out in a time where you're ready to step out and do something because you're thinking, I, but I don't know if I have a special leading to do this. I don't know if I have a word of knowledge. But didn't Jesus say, whatever you ask in my name, that I will do. I was at a birthday party one time, and I'll close with this. I was at a birthday party. How many have been to birthday parties? Raise your hand. A woman was there. She was in her 40s, and her hair was really short. She had just gotten out of chemo. The doctors had given her a terminal report. I was leaving the birthday party. She was a Muslim. Uh, this is a birthday party, and this was not in the Middle East. This was in Ashtabula, and I was leaving the birthday party. There was a lot of Catholics there. She, was, she had converted from Catholicism to a Muslim. Her husband was a Muslim. She was dying of cancer, and I'm standing behind my car in the, in the driveway of the house, and I'm thinking, I can't leave here knowing what I know. You know, was there any particular leading? It's funny. I'll get into that in a minute, but not that I recognized at the time. I said, I can't leave here knowing what I know, and not just pray for this woman. She's dying. You know, we talked a long time during the whole, you know, during the whole party. It wasn't a service. It turned into a service, but it was. So I went back into the party and I, her brother was actually the one who was having the party. It was her, their kids. And I said, listen, do you think your sister would mind if I prayed for her? And he said, well, I could ask her. He goes and gets her. I'm still standing out in the driveway, country house, you know, good amount of land out there. So I'm out in the driveway. They go and get 
his sister, and he and his sister are coming back, and the rest of the birthday party. I'll come back to where I am, 30 people, and make a circle around me. So I said, can I pray for you? I said, you know, I know you're going through something here. This is what I do. We travel around and we pray for people. Would it be all right if I pray for people? Now, it was easy for me to say that because I'm an evangelist. You could say, hey, you know what? We pray for people at my church. My pastor prays for people. I've prayed for people. Is it all right if I pray for you? No lights, no sound system, birthday party, cake, paper, you know, birthday party. (laughs) So I said, all right, is it all right if I pray for you? She says, sure. What do you want me to do? And I laugh at that moment because they've had absolutely no contact with like healing ministry. So she's thinking like, I'm going to be like, you know, voodoo, get me a bottle of tequila and crow's feet and, you know, build a fire. So, you know, she's like, what do you want me to do? I'm like, nothing. You don't have to do anything. I could have said anything. Well, how many pushups can you do? You know, but I said, no, I just said, well, no, I'm just going to put my hand on your shoulder. I'm going to pray in Jesus name. And that's it. And I put my hand on her shoulder. I prayed in Jesus name, commanded that cancer to go. And that was it. I left. And she said, thank you. I got in the car. Next morning, I get a phone call. The main concentration was in her hip of this cancer. And she wouldn't sleep through the night, even on pain medication. Next morning, I get a phone call. Not only did she not have to take her last pain medication of the day, because she noticed, you know, normally it would start hurting and she'd taken it. It didn't hurt. She didn't take it. Slept through the night pain-free. Later on, I hear she was in a kickboxing class, went to the doctors. They said it was in remission. That's pretty good. Kickboxing is good if the main concentration was in your hip. These things transpired. You know, she was asking for my address, you know, wanted to ask or thank me for praying for and things like this. I lost contact with her. I lost track with her. The reports were just phenomenal. It was a miracle for sure. But as I pulled away from that party, I didn't say, you know, Lord, I'm a healing evangelist and, and, you know, there's an anointing on my life and I stand on that. But I, as I pulled away, I was in my car and I said, Lord, in Mark 16, you said believers will lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. I'm a believer and I hold you to your word, Father. You said that if I acted in faith on your word, see, we're talking about simple faith tonight, full of faith and full of the Holy Spirit. Father, you said believers will lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. That's all I did. There was no special leading. Now I'll say this, it kind of, the line is blurred, full of faith and full of the Holy Spirit. As you step out, you'll see, yeah, the Holy Spirit's going to activate things. Things are going to come up in you. There's, he's going to tell you things. He's going to show you things. I think this is kind of my interpretation. Smith Wigglesworth made this statement. It's been quoted many times. He said, if the Holy Spirit doesn't move, I move the Holy Spirit. You know, it sounds blasphemous. You've heard that, right, Pastor? It sounds blasphemous, but he had a handle on some things. He knew from the word that there was some certain things that God always wants to do. I mean, we don't wait for a special leading before we, if somebody's on a deathbed and we know that they're stepping into eternity, do we wait for some special leading from God as to whether we're going to tell them about eternity and share the gospel of Jesus Christ with them? You know, should we wait until, well, I didn't have a word or, you know, God didn't tell me I should share the gospel with them. We do it how? Just in raw, simple Bible faith, we act on what God said. And if that person responds to the gospel, the greatest miracle that could ever happen to a human being would take place. Greater than blind eyes opening, greater than deaf ears hearing, they will become a new creature instantly. All things will pass away. All things will become new. They'll be made sinless and spotless by the blood of Jesus Christ. And we do that, and we expect that to happen often, just as we act in simple faith on the word of God. And that's a greater miracle than any of the healing miracles we're talking about tonight. The thing is, and this is where we'll pick it up next Wednesday, but I'll see you Sunday, but we'll be talking about other things. Next Wednesday, the thing is, it's usually 
the things that most conflict with the course of this world are the things that we tend to think God is less eager to do. The things that manifestations, miracles, the things that most conflict with the course of this world, with what's normal in this world, we think that God is the most reluctant to do. I believe that's where all these doctrines come from. Well, miracles have stopped, you know. It's just too much for people to get their minds around. Paul said, do not be conformed to the course of this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We'll talk about that, about renewing your mind next week and, and expectation. And, you know, I think people just think, you know, the more spectacular it is, the more doctrines there are that say that God is just, you know, somehow reluctant or just kind of cause us to draw back from it. Have you ever noticed that? You know, I mean, if you think about it. Let's pray tonight. Father, we thank you for tonight. Lord, I just humble myself before you, and I thank you, Lord, that just, it's true, just as Paul said, we have no sufficiency of ourself, but our sufficiency is of you. But Father, help us not to cause false humility to keep you from moving through us in mighty, miraculous ways. Every one of us here, Lord. Yeah, we're nothing special. None of us are in and of ourselves, except for what you've made us by the finished work of the cross. But Lord, we thank you that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. And Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we have this promise from him we studied tonight. If we believe in him, the works that he did, we will do also. Why? Because if we command it in his name, there he is, the miracle worker to do it. We thank you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Just let me do this while we prepare our offering for tonight, and uh, a leader, a good leader gives in every offering, but my wife left and I forgot to do this, so next Wednesday night I'll put in for tonight and Sunday and make up for it. You've got to lead by example, but my spiritual father said don't put an empty envelope in because that's deception, but I forgot my offering, and I, I believe a leader always puts in in every offering, but I will next Wednesday night, you'll see me put in, and it'll be for more than I was going to give. Um, two quick takeaways while you're giving this. And my dear friend, I had a friend years ago, Earl Pauk, who preached at my church years ago. And when he got done, I decided to go over his message. And we went to lunch. He said, Brother Sher, if you got to re-preach what I said, you didn't need me to come. So I don't want to re-preach what he said, but I do want to give you two takeaways. So as you're making out your check tonight for Dover Four Square Church, everything tonight, unless you mark it tithe, Everything tonight will go to Jeremy's ministry. On Sunday morning in the bulletin, there will be a special envelope for Sunday morning that you can give, nice shot, um, that you can give to Jeremy on Sunday morning. But, but tonight, if you want to just sow a seed, how many of you understand? Well, I'll give you the takeaways and you'll understand even more. But he's plowing ground in the church. He really is plowing through ground. So you spell thousand, T-H-O-U-S-A-N-D, and you can make it out to Dover. Lord, bless this offering tonight, and I thank you, Father, that we will sow into good ministry, ministry of integrity, ministry of humility, and ministry that is proven in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Two handsome ushers are going to collect. But I want to give you these two takeaways, so don't let the kids come in yet. Rachel, thrust your body against the door. Well, don't hurt yourself, but Two minutes. Don't let the kids come in distract us. I want to give you good, two good takeaways. How many of you know? The first takeaway was when Jesus sent out the ten and the seventy. He said, "It says whither he King James says whither or wherever he himself would have gone." So you see, the first takeaway tonight is when we go, we're going where he would have gone. 
and he's with us and we're ministering him. That was a great, you know, he said more than that, but I'm just giving you the bullet on that. Second thing is, you know, we are plowing through thinking. We're plowing through thinking. Years ago, I was going to preach in, in, uh, in uh, Arizona at a, a fairly large church, several thousand, couple of thousand. And when I got there on Sunday, Saturday night, the pastor said, I've got everything all set up for you for this week of meetings. He said, I've just preached for the last 20 weeks. I did a great series on healing. He said, I want to give you my cassette tapes. The first set of tapes was 11 reasons why people aren't healed. The second set of tapes he gave me was 10 ways to lose your healing. You know, he said, Brother Sure, I think I've really set you up good. I thought, yeah, right, yeah. So Sunday morning I preached and uh, about 1,800 people there just, you know, Sunday night we preached, prayed for a few people. Well, on Monday morning he wanted me to talk to his staff of about 30 about, about um, church structure and church government. So I got into the meeting at 10 o'clock and about 30 people there, several associates. I said, I want to talk to you about my spiritual father. I said, uh, he played the piano for Smith Wigglesworth, Roy Hartherne did when he was a boy in England. I said, as a matter of fact, I said, when he was a little boy, one of the Jeffries brothers came to his town and Brother Hartherne witnessed a creative miracle of a woman born with just a stub for a tongue and he saw new flesh grow out as God gave this stuttering woman who couldn't talk, a mute woman really, and the ability to talk. I talked for three hours and told them stories of my spiritual father's experiences. I purposefully didn't tell them stories of my experiences. Not that there's anything wrong with Jeremy did because he's, he's plowing through and teaching for us. But I was very careful to, to disconnect it so for two reasons. Number one, I didn't want them to believe that all the power was in me, and certainly the last two services proved squat. But do you know, that night, the atmosphere changed because 30 people, there's about 400 there that night, 30 people came into the meeting because they, the atmosphere, we had plowed through something. I mean, you know, we need to plow through in this area. Could you, because I can read in the room tonight, people are saying, well, that won't work for this person. I'll be embarrassed. What if this happens? What if they're not healed? What will we tell them? It's a progress. I mean, you know, those thoughts travel through. How many of you ever have them hit you in the head? Yeah, then they go through the room tonight. You had them, I had them. They come right at your mind, fiery dark. But how many of you know tonight, this is the victory that overcometh the world, 1 John 5, 7, even our faith. But I love this as you stand, because otherwise we release the children into the streets as you stand. But this is the victory. But Galatians 2, 20 says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me in the life that I now live in the flesh. I live by the faith of the Son of God who loves me. Father, bless your people tonight. We have great takeaway tonight. Wherever he himself would go, you are telling us to go. And there he will be. Hallelujah. Thank you for that tonight. Thank you for these stories interwoven with truth that is plowing through all of our thinking, Lord. And secondly, thank you for the takeaway, Lord, that we must have a washing and a renewing of the mind. Stir up our pure minds by way of remembrance. Connect with that which is in the spirit. And we thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. Third takeaway was the word says the Holy Spirit worked with them, confirming the word with signs following in Acts. So, Lord, you work with us like the, 
the brother shared about Wigglesworth. Lord, thank you for this truth tonight. We're anticipating Sunday, a great day in this house. We're anticipating a great day at the healing service on the 27th. We're anticipating when every service is a service where the supernatural happens, Father. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen.